Welcome everyone, this is Damien John and this is Massage Therapy Now. Today my guest is the new executive director of the RMTA, RMTOA, RMTA, Registered Massage Therapist of Ontario. He is the current executive director, he is also involved in a number of different boards, he's been involved in health reform in Ontario, he's worked in toy business. His son and him have produced a full documentary on the meltdown of 2008 and how it compares to Canada or how Canada and the United States compared to each other in that meltdown and how we fared better than they. And he's done all kinds of interesting things from the sounds of it. The toy business piece being one that stands out to me. I used to collect toys. My guest today is Michael Faraday, and we're going to dive into some of the current issues for RMTs in Ontario and nationwide and probably worldwide as the coronavirus has swept through all of the world and really impacted everyone to a heavy, heavy extent. And some of the ideas their association is working with in terms of how we can get through this as professionals and individuals and a few of the other things that are current for the Ontario Association to keep things real and sane and grounded so that we're not just reacting to this thing and blowing up the world as it were. I am recording from my home in the wilds of BC. I have currently self-isolated because I have a few symptoms myself. So I'm right in the thick of it in terms of thinking about all of these things. So welcome, Michael. And how are you doing with the world as it is? Um, well, thank you, Damien, for having me on. And I appreciate the opportunity to share, you know, some of my, my thoughts and background. And, uh, um, I am like probably many people in, uh, across Canada, um, dealing with some, you know, self-isolation, uh, finding it, uh, fairly difficult in some respects to, you know, mm -hmm. kind of be cooped up and not, not going out and trying to be responsible in those, in that way. Uh, at the same time, it's extremely busy time for our association. And while our office is working remotely, because uh, we've closed our office, we, you know, we're very, very busy. Michael, the COVID-19 is affecting everybody around the world, Canada, and RMTs are hands-on workers. We need people in front of us to do our work, to get paid. What is the Registered Massage Association of Ontario doing to help RMTs with the coronavirus and and the unemployment issue because most of us who are active RMTs would not have an employment insurance. What's what's the RMTAO doing to address those types of issues in the moment? So, um, Damon, we I mean, this is a situation that has dramatically evolved, uh, literally. Um, a week and two, three days ago, a situation went from, okay, this is a, a serious situation to complete, virtual complete shutdown and escalation of uh, infect, infections and things like that. So very quickly, uh, I mean, I was up 
we have various networking groups in different parts of Ontario, and I've been out being new in the role, wanting to really get to meet as many uh, people as I can. And conversation went from in one session, uh, the, the Friday, I think it was, about the exciting prospects and all the things that we're planning for the profession going forward and, uh, you know, the new dynamic of wellness and that approach and the, and the, the significance that significant role that RMTs can play to like the next day, uh, was another session, which was about, you know, 50% of the discussion was about COVID. So my role was to immediately, I mean, literally on Monday, we got letters off to prime minister Trudeau and, you know, Bill Marno and, and the other other various affiliated ministers and deputy ministers and also in Ontario, Premier Ford and, and again, similar people. And then in addition, Mayor John Tory, the mayor of Toronto, who there's a significant like 50 percent of our members practice in the greater Toronto area, really advocating primarily for some kind of financial relief to the situation. Um, as you mentioned, many of our members don't qualify for employment insurance. They don't pay into that. And so they were looking at a very stark new reality. Um, yeah. And I, frankly, I was very, very pleased with, um, and I didn't have a lot of brilliant suggestions other than we needed to, you know, I, I was thinking maybe deferring the income tax, uh, maybe, you know, and literally within like an hour, so I can't claim that it was us, but I, I like to associate the two. Trudeau came out with an announcement of a relief package that I thought had some very, very positive things in it. The main one being essentially for those that aren't on unemployment insurance that are small business people or self-employed, access to funding. And, and at the time, I think it was like $900 twice a month, but I, I believe it may have changed. Uh, I haven't seen all the press clippings from this morning because this this was just passed into law uh, early this morning and other steps to increase the the baby bonus and uh, HST credits and uh, moving tax back and and the offer of other things as a first step and so um, you know we were very happy with that I mean it's not I mean it's good news in the midst of terrible terrible news it's not enough yes. but it's something and so. Uh, I was pleased with how quickly they responded. And when you consider what governments in other countries are doing or not doing, it was a very positive step. And I think what we are doing is continuing to advocate for our members and primarily synthesize and provide information. So we like literally have almost a daily announcement going out because there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of confused information. And there are so many sources of information that if you, you know, do like I do, or like we all do, probably you go to your different websites and stuff like that. There's hundreds of different perspectives being espoused, some of them for yes. not even for Canada. So yeah, we're trying to make sure that we have a good flow of information about what's accurate, updating our members on the breakdown of information, you know, kind of like summarizing uh, what was offered in the federal uh, bailout or support package uh, offering support. Uh, I mean, something we haven't done yet, but once it becomes clear as to how you apply to this this funding, you know, how do you know how do you go about applying for it? What's you know right. making it easy for people to do that? You're going to have a breakdown of that once it 
becomes more clear for your members? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're really pulling information continuously. I mean, we have something called the Friday file. So every Friday we, we put out a newsletter, but we also have a blog ourselves. And we also have done, I think we, we copied some of these letters that went out directly to all our members by direct email. I mean, unfortunately, we don't represent all of the RMTs in Ontario. There's 14,000. We have about 6,500 um, members. But we're trying to share the information with as many people as, as we can. I've been involved in a lot of big conference calls with other association uh, leads uh, that have been involved in various aspects of trying to respond to the to the crisis. Like there's associations that include all other health professionals like nurses, the physicians and stuff that we're part of and things like that. So trying to get out good information on an ongoing basis to try and reinforce a little bit of positivity and confidence and yeah. in what's happening, make sure that uh, people have good information and be helpful, perhaps when some of these programs roll out and, you know, how do you go about getting it and stuff like that to the best of our ability to help be there to support our members in that way. When we first started talking, we were talking about the idea that people would continue to work. The RMTAO is sitting now probably on a very different perspective in terms of work i would imagine you're recommending people to not do any massage work as the canadian government is talking about everybody social distancing is that correct so i i mean from my perspective damien our 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 role is not to it's to is to more support our members not to advocate on policy the role right. of the cmtao the the uh in Ontario is the organization. They have put out circulars about what they recommend based on what they're hearing from the Minister of Health and the standards. I mean, up until now, it's been an ever tightening circle, I guess I'll call it that way, that it was, you know, essentially up to the massage therapists, their regulated profession, mm-hmm. professionals, uh, as to what they felt was, uh, I think they've changed the wording from to various levels of the word urgent or necessary or that kind of thing. And so they're, they're left some margin for interpretation. Uh, and I've talked to many massage therapists and they feel that their work is critical to the health and well-being of some of their clients. And as long as you're performing that service within the context of the safety guidelines provided by the government. So I haven't really weighed in on that. I've, I've made sure that our members are aware of the latest information that's coming out. But there does seem to be, uh, like in Ontario, as of this morning at 6 o'clock, all stores, non-essential services have to close. And they're right. going to start finding stores that stay open and defining that. Um, healthcare happens to be a field that has not been closed down. But if you have a flower shop and you're staying open or things like that, you know, or you weren't, uh, even if you weren't practicing social distancing. So, I mean, there are people that are more qualified to make those recommendations and decisions. I mean, we absolutely support those, those recommendations and decisions. I mean, they're, you know, typically made by medical officers of health and, and yeah. people that are closer to the situation. Than I am. Well, I'll wait in here since I'm not an executive director. If you're a massage therapist and you're continuing to work on people in this very intimate fashion, and this is my own humble opinion, but I am experiencing a variety of 
symptoms that are coronavirus ones. And even if they're not coronavirus related, it's freaky as heck to be thinking about these types of things. So <laughs> there's, there's lots in play in terms of help, as uh, Michael has talked about, as it relates to the profession and being self-employed. So stay at home. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think you have to be people. cautious. Yeah, you have to be cautious. And I know that there is a lot of debate within uh, within our membership about, you know, why is that person open and why aren't they open? I mean, mm-hmm. um, I don't know the circumstances of any individual. And and again, I don't think the associate from the beginning of my role, which has only been a uh, short tenure so far. Uh, I've really decided that I do not want to be somebody pushing an agenda sure. or a a way of I mean, my 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 approach is that I'm trying to support all members. So if you work for a large chain, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. If you were an independent person uh, working out of your home, I'm going to try and support you. I'm I'm not here to take sides. Um, I'm really here to support the members. So yes, I think if you were to follow the guidelines, that you should absolutely take every precaution. I don't think we're quite there yet personally with the kind of way we may have to practice in the future, which is, uh, you know, rubber gloves, um, no contact. I mean, these are things that would help prevent, you know, flu outbreaks and things like that as well. But right now that that's the standard you, you need to have use what's uh, PPE personal protective equipment yeah. of which there is a huge shortage in Ontario. Like ho- hospital workers don't have full access to, PPE. I was on a phone call the other day uh, of a bunch of various organizations that are trying to pool their PPE together to get it into the hospitals or midwives and things like that. So they have access to that, you know, those kinds of that equipment to make it safe for their, because you don't know. I mean, you don't know whether uh, a young mom giving birth has been incubating with the virus for seven days or six days and shows no sign of it, but it's there. So, you know, it's a very scary time and uh, it's a new normal. And I think trying to get make sure that our our members have access to that information, you know, is my role, not, not making it up or trying to decide what is <laughs> what is safe and what isn't. Sure. Yeah. But I think, yeah, ultimately it's a personal, it is a personal decision to some extent. It may not be for very long, but right now or up until a few days ago, it, it was definitely... Um, uh, a decision that a massage therapist had to make for themselves. Yeah, I imagine there are some therapists out there that do some pretty crucial work in terms of keeping people healthy, like lymph work, like uh, various types of working with patients who are high risk and those types of things. So it is a it is a very difficult decision for some people, I think, in this field to continue to work or not. And I'm not trying to belittle those types of decisions that people have to make. And we just, we have no clue what is going to show up this week and next week. And as far as information about this sickness goes, and as far as what the government's going to implement, I've been thinking about how therapists can use their skill sets in a positive way without being massage therapists in the moment, then I've been thinking about working with your own family and maybe 
advocating for massaging the people that are close to you or that are isolated with you or those types of things. It's, it's very curious because we are such a hands-on profession, uh, myself having been a massage therapist, that it's very confusing as to where to go next with this because your mind and my mind anyways can go down all of these rabbit holes what what's going to show up is is massage therapy viable etc etc what are you experiencing in terms of people phoning in as it relates to those types of things are you getting people asking those questions and where are you pointing people so to answer your question um I mean, there is a lot of fear and confusion. And I mean, right now, I don't know if it's the right time to start thinking that far. Well, I think it's the time to start thinking that far ahead. But, but you know, making recommendations right now until we get some kind of control over the, the uh, virus, until we get some kind of uh, access to uh, enough uh, PPE, as it's called, or, you know, ways of, you know, on top of the crisis, I think... I think it's difficult to to sort of recommend uh, practicing without these uh, things in place. But I mean, going forward, I think it's essential uh, the work that's done by uh, RMTs in a way that I, maybe others think is just it's just a nice to have type type of thing. But I think my own perspective coming into the role was that uh, there was an important need for massage therapy to take a, uh, a greater role in terms of uh, wellness and a population health approach and in terms of prevention and things like that by keeping uh, people in their homes longer, seniors and, and others that, that are affected by the issues that affect seniors, Alzheimer's and stuff like that, but also in terms of responding to the huge mental health mm. crisis in Ontario where you know, there's anxiety, depression, mild depression, and things like that. Stress are huge, debilitating problems in Ontario, and I think the rest of Canada. And there, and there is no, the responses that the, historically we would make is, you know, you'd give a person a pill or some other non-sustainable, potentially more dangerous thing. I mean, not everybody has access to psychiatrists and and even seeing a counselor and things like that is, is useful. But I think there needs to be a more complete approach, which in Ontario, the government is starting to contemplate. And I think there's a role. And if you talk to frontline providers in Ontario, for example, many of them see the value of massage therapy as a component of a team-based approach to, to some of these issues. So the question is, you know, how not should the are we playing an important role or are we not? It's how do we practice safely in what may become a new normal? And I think that's something that we need to think about going forward and we need to get a handle on and we need to find a way to make sure that that can happen so that whenever the next virus goes out there, uh, we're able to respond in a way that's safe for not just our clients, but also for mm -hmm. our practitioners. And, this may be, I mean, it sounds like it's right out of a science fiction movie, but, but you know, it may be the new normal that when you go outside yes. that you should be wearing gloves and uh, things like that. So I, there are definitely ways that we can make it safer for everyone. Even, you know, things like the flu, transmitting the flu to seniors is a very dangerous thing. And, and you know, if you don't take the similar precautions to what we're talking about for COVID, you could you could pass along flu virus that, is could could very you know be very deadly to certain population groups but 
Yeah, so I think that, to my mind, uh, we need to start looking that way. I think my own perspective is that when the time is a little more appropriate to start advocating strongly for that kind of vision of healthcare mm -hmm. to bring massage therapy more into the mainstream of healthcare, uh, I think that would be good for the profession because we wouldn't be so uh, reliant on, you know, things like insurance. I mean, it would be another option. If you, in Ontario, social workers often work for family health teams and hospitals, but they also have, uh, many of them have their own practices. I know working in primary care where I was working for the last 10 years or so, we'd have social workers working for us. And you know, as they get more established, they start doing, uh, seeing clients on the weekend, eventually start building up their practice and they start cutting back on their hours with the family health team. And I think that's good for the profession in that it broadens, not number one, I think the options available to practitioners, but I think it also means that massage therapy is being brought more into the mainstream of how healthcare responds to keeping people well and keeping people at home, which is really the new dynamic. It's not about building bigger hospitals or bigger, better machines or those kinds of things as, as, as sexy as those may seem to some individuals and politicians perhaps, but it's about how do you keep people at home? How do you keep, keep people well? How do you keep their mental health at the right level in, in terms of, you know, we, we live in a very complex society. And I think massage therapy needs to be recognized as an important. Component. Why don't we backtrack just a little bit there? Because I think you moved into something important about where the RMTAO is thinking as it relates to working from an RMT's perspective. So a lot of classic RMT work is working in an office on your own. A lot of money comes from insurance. What you're speculating or what you're talking about is more of a team-based approach with other healthcare workers where the income is not based on insurance, but it's more of a working from a paid position as a, as a part of a, a group. Is that what you're speaking to? Yeah, so uh, let me elaborate a little bit. So I'm not suggesting that that isn't a good thing. I mean, part of my own uh, priority, one of my priorities is to develop a really good relationship with the insurance companies to make sure our members understand well, how they're making the decisions. I think they want to do more research, which I think would support uh, the insurance companies that would support them making decisions to provide more massage therapy because I believe that there, there is research out there that would support the importance of it. But in addition to that, other health professions work as independent uh, contractors or self-employed, but they also are employed by the Ministry of Health in, in Ontario as employees of hospitals, as employees of family health teams in primary care, as employees of other organizations funded by the Ministry of Health. And I think that is an area where massage therapy uh, does not have a lot of presence in. I know a few hospitals are starting to, and rehab centers are starting to hire massage therapists, but for the most part, the primary care teams in, in Ontario are called family health teams. Mm -hmm. They don't have uh, massage therapists as part on part of their uh, as part of their staff, and the, the approach the team approach is that you have a variety of independent health professionals who are experts at what they know, and they offer programs often to deal with chronic situations that primarily 
things like COPD, diabetes, you know, aging at home programs, but also mental health and addiction is a huge component of that. And so there's a lot of social workers employed as part of with hospitals, but excuse me, but also with uh, family health teams. And as I, I was mentioning earlier, you know, social workers are both independent practitioners that are paid through off most often through insurance plans, as well as employees of family health teams and hospitals. So I think that's my own feeling and knowing where we are in Ontario with this whole health reform and this need, I think, I think that there's a role for massage therapy to play. And, and part of my goal is to really advocate strongly with the Ministry of Health in Ontario and these are all people that I've worked with because I've been very involved in healthcare reform in Ontario to sort of advocate. I mean, we have a solution to a very significant problem that the system is facing. The system in Ontario is unsustainable the way it is. And so the answer is not through paying more money for drugs. Uh, there's not through paying bigger programs in hospitals. It's, it's basically to keep people at home. And what other profession makes house calls like massage therapists do? I know if, as having run family health teams that it was very difficult to get uh, a nurse practitioner into someone's home or any program. There was a, there was a lot of things that, uh, steps that had to be taken, insurances that had to be purchased and so on and so forth. And in addition to the fact that it was not very efficient, I mean, we're trying to keep people in their homes. The, sometimes people can't make it down to the doctor's office. Right now it's dangerous to go out into society. So if you had a professional health professional, regulated health professional coming into your home that had the right equipment, that had the, you mm -hmm. know, the proper PPE and so on and so forth, that would be a valuable contribution to your wellness. And I think, uh, frankly, help reduce the risk that forcing people to go out to appointments and emergency rooms like we currently have does not take into account. Well, as you speak to this, I am thinking about even before COVID-19 and all of the things that have shown up in terms of staying at home, we live in a society that has a limited amount of kind, consensual touch. And touch mm -hmm. is so profound in terms of feeling well. And I hear you talk about these health teams and the various services they provide from social work through to the nurse practitioner types. And it feels to me like massage therapists fit really well into that kind of dynamic because of the strong need for good, kind, healthy touch in terms of mental and physical wellness and maybe many other things. And as I think about being isolated, one of the things I am personally missing is touch. I miss hugs and I miss those types of things. So there is definitely going to be a need for experts in the realm of touch to do any number of things from the hands-on work through to this is why it's good and how we can touch each other in a, in a kind and consensual way, and maybe even teaching people online or who knows, who knows exactly what it is. But when you talk about the PPEs and various things, as those things come better available and stuff, maybe, maybe there is going to be this new norm in terms of that as well. And, and I, I, I feel personally a huge need for touch in the moment. And I would love for a massage therapist to come through my house to give me some, well, some of that much needed touch. 
So as you're talking, Damien, it, it occurred to me, we're all experiencing uh, what it feels like to have social isolation right now. And I can tell you for myself mm -hmm. personally, it, I'm finding it very difficult. Most mm -hmm. seniors, uh, a big problem facing seniors uh, is social isolation. It's actually right. more significant of an issue uh, than treating their diabetes or treating this or treating that. And that's their normal. So what we're experiencing now in the crisis is what they're experiencing every day. So what do you think mm -hmm. the role is for massage therapists uh, and others that the whole concept of touch, I mean, I think we need to do a lot more research to support uh, and advocate for us. And I think that's another priority. There's no question in my mind that that is a very com important component to any wellness program. And so, you know, you've just touched on something that is some, you know, what it for us is really just this hopefully temporary blip in our lives to what is essentially someone's normal uh, for yeah. the rest of their life, potentially. Um, right. So, yeah, I think I think there's, uh, you know, perhaps where, you know, you're closer to it than many people are. But I think, you know, my experience with government is that they have these huge challenges. They're open to people that have solutions like they want to hear. I mean, they don't have all the answers, but my experience is if you have a solution or a proposal that would help improve the wellness of Ontario with, let's say, or can Canadians, uh, but also reduce costs because this is much more efficient. This is much less costly of an approach than uh, waiting until someone is quite ill and has to be brought to a hospital in, uh, you know, with an emergency service vehicle. You know, this is this is what we need to do. This is how we need to move our healthcare system to more, you know, more about prevention, more about a population health approach, more about a wellness approach, less about I'll fix you when you get sick and you know, uh, transactional kind of industry that it, you know, currently is. There's no billing that a physician right, can right. do to keep that's about wellness. So, you know, the fact that you're well is means essentially that you're not coming into his office and he's not billing you for anything, for example. I mean, that, that's spoke, go ahead. Yeah. You, you spoke to uh, the idea of research. And as you're speaking about these other pieces, and we had talked about speaking about this a little bit because. A lot of what we're saying is anecdote. We're, we're, we're speculating that touch would be useful in terms of these teams, in terms of social isolation. And anecdote is an important is an important piece of the puzzle. Knowing on a personal level what the social isolation feels like, knowing that there's a need for 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 touch for a number of human beings to increase their well-being their their feelings of wellness is something that we all know well but government often needs science and so in terms of research i know the rmtbc has made some partnerships with the various uh, research uh, north american research institutions what is the rmtao doing in terms of research and supporting research and partnerships so um, from my perspective, uh, just echoing what you're saying, I mean, I think there is fundamental research that supports the value of touch and things like that, but you need more specific research to support a program and protect potentially how it might 
support a massage therapy might support all people with Alzheimer's and things like that, you know, whatever, whatever the issue is. And uh, the concern I have is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of research, published research out there. Uh, there doesn't seem to be capacity to facility or the researchers or the funding to do the research. And so I think uh, there needs to be a lot of foundational work. And my perspective from the RMTAO is if it's not happening somewhere else, uh, then we need to take a role and get involved in bringing people together and creating a foundational piece. And so, you know, I've talked to a number of organizations, including insurance companies so far in my month, I guess it's, I feel like I'm here for 10 years. It's about a month, month and a half or something like that. But, uh, you know, they want to, they want to support research. They would help fund research funds now i mean you know so how do you go go about that having been involved in in some research projects and some environments in primary care in ontario you need to create an arm's length kind of relationship between the funding sources and the projects that are being done so what are the priorities who decides who should get the funding and so on and so forth so that we need to create sort of uh uh, an arm's length group that has priorities, you know, maybe it's some board members of the RMTAO, maybe it's edu educators, it's researchers, it's, I don't know. I'm not the one to make that decision, others, I, but I think I can help bring together those that can decide that. Secondly, you know, we need to have associate ourselves with organizations that do research. One of the challenges I think for massage therapy, and this is only an impression, is that many of the colleges don't have the same pedigree for research. So in Ontario, uh, George Brown, Centennial College, Humber College, Georgian College, all, all are, are some of the bigger colleges that graduate massage therapists. The universities in Ontario are, as far as I know, don't, though I hear that they're interested in uh, setting up massage therapy programs. But the universities typically do these huge research projects. So the researchers are in these organizations and we need to create opportunities for researchers to work with the organizations that can publish it so i think you know i have some meetings with some of the various deans and leads of the various uh, massage therapy programs with the colleges but i also have contacts with the university of toronto and and the researchers that are very involved in making decisions for health health ontario and things like that and we need to bring every, those people, I need to bring, help bring those people together to create environment. And, and maybe it's, you know, I'm sure there's funding out there for Alzheimer's research. Maybe there's a component of that funding that can be focused on massage therapy and the, the value of what that kind of approach and combination treatment uh, brings to the wellness and health of someone suffering for, from that issue, for example. So I'm really excited about exploring that, creating that, helping to create that foundation. I'm very confident that I can get funding or I can support getting funding for research. I mean, I've, I think I've, I may have mentioned earlier, Damien, I've, I haven't talked to a lot of people, but I've already talked to three organizations that would be prepared to fund, help fund research. So I think that's important, uh, like you said earlier, for governments to make decisions you know, when you're talking about investing in money, I think there is uh, su supportive research that makes what we're talking about, you know, something that we feel is likely and it is appropriate. So, you know, so it's not like we're just advocating because we're involved in this field. But I think we, you feel strongly about the value of what you do. 
I've seen my own, my own, from my own perspective, personally and otherwise, uh, support for massage therapy. We need, but we need to do more research, and we need to establish some stronger, a stronger foundation to do that research in. We need to get researchers. Uh, we need to support. That one of the issues I've heard is that there are not a lot of people that know how to do research, this is true. Uh, and that's partly because there's probably no money. So, mm. you know, so we need to bring. There are organizations universities especially who do a lot of research and you know so I, I don't have the answer to that but I do know that I can bring together uh, people that will help develop a platform and a foundation so that we can do this important work yeah it's exciting not only yeah. it's exciting to see so many associations working towards researching manual therapy it feels like it's a very open-ended field to study in terms of all of the variety of research that could happen. There's so many places to explore and just needs a few individuals who are really passionate about research and doing research and connecting with the right people who are those, those types of people too. So maybe connecting the people who are passionate about ideas, but aren't great researchers with great researchers and vice versa. It sounds like the RMTAO is really geared up and, and interested in doing that from what you've just said. Yeah, very true. I mean, it's early days, like I said, but, uh, and there's a lot of work to be done, but yeah, facilitating it, making it easy for people to want to do research, to, to do research that they feel is important and creating, you know, environments where it can be published is what I'm talking about, right? It, you know, it's tough if you want to do research and you can't, you don't have access to any funding, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So we, we need to make it, facilitate that process yes. we've hit on many topics in this hour we've had a few interruptions i was we we had a bit of a blank which won't be in the final show where my bank was phoning me around the mortgage issues that everybody's dealing with so we've hit on lots of stuff i want to go down one more lane here with you michael before we end and just about you being new to the executive director position. How are you enjoying it? It's, it's, you're right in the hot seat. I don't even know if enjoying is the right word in the moment. Maybe you're the type of person who thrives on challenge and that type of thing. What, what has it been like in your first month, month and a half of being the executive director? And, and what do you foresee? Are you, are you feeling good about where you're at and you've mentioned a few of the things that you want to explore as an executive director are there any other things that you've not mentioned today that you're you're keen on in the in your role um so damien i mean coming into the role having been involved a lot in primary health care reform or in health care reform i should say of which and, and been involved in primary care uh, the fact that i've my experience is really from uh, a patient perspective. I'm, you know, I've had chronic disease myself. Uh, I've had uh, a parent who was in, uh, uh, my mom passed away a few years ago, but had a long history of being in and out of hospitals and all the fear that you, everyone experienced when, you know, you're going to go home. Is there going to be a, any support for, for her? I have an autistic son, you know, so the frustrations of the system has really, really pushed me to want to do something about that and trying to address that, the lack of coordination, the lack of 
of a team-based approach, if you will, the lack of, you know, how can the system needs to be more linked and integrated uh, as opposed to siloed, a siloed approach, which seems to be the more frequent example of healthcare in Canada. So, you know, coming into the role, I thought, you know, there was a real opportunity for massage therapy. So I was very excited and get out and support members. I think, you know, my role is an advocate to, and to understand what the members, so, you know, I'm, I spent a lot of uh, my early days reaching out to virtually everyone and all the people that I thought uh, would be important. I mean, we have these groups right across the province that I'm, you know, I've seen already two or three of the groups, but perhaps some of the appointments that I've made are going to be pushed back a bit. But, um, and, you know, I think, uh, I think the opportunity was, was very positive from my perspective I mean, we have uh, 45% of the member of uh, massage therapists in Ontario. So a lot of upside, a lot of opportunity to do advocacy, a lot of opportunity to do, like we need to do a lot more webinars and have other programs that support our members. I mean, we have the lowest membership fee in, in Canada, but not just for massage therapy, but I believe for virtually any professional association. I, I want to keep it that way. But I think it's also important for an association to really provide value to its members, especially if members have to make hard decisions about, you know, should I purchase a membership in the association or should I pay for dinner this next week, you know, kind of thing. Like those are tough decisions. So the more tangible value proposition and the better we can job we can do in communicating that out to our membership, I think the better job we will do. And so you know, we're looking for programs that really enhance the value of what being a member in uh, our MTAO means. You know, we have some good programs already, but, you know, we need to do a better job communicating to our members. Uh, and I think perhaps this COVID thing is sort of helping us do that. We need to do a better job advocating with uh, decision makers, uh, particularly the Ministry of Health and government circles for, for the profession. So that's something I have had a fair amount of experience in doing. You know, continuing education I hear is important. I know there's there's also this whole HST which we're, uh, issue, which exemption, which we're supporting. Right. And, you know, the other piece was research. So, you know, I, I'm excited. I think the, the, the COVID crisis has really, it's been very concerning because I really feel for our membership and the vulnerability that they're experiencing right now. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing what we can. I mean, we're one of hundreds of voices, I think, that are being filtered to the government circles about that. So I don't know whether we're being heard as much as I'd like us to be, but we're going to do whatever we can to sort of support our members that way. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been, to me, that's been uh, the biggest challenge. I think the other things are exciting things to challenges to sort of embrace and, and kind of get on with. And I'm very comfortable kind of finding ways and making those partnerships and things like that with people. But I do feel right now that uh, we're in a ser- very serious crisis. I don't know where it's going to go, but I you know, absolutely want to make sure that we advocate for our members and make sure that they have inf- the right information, that they're supported. There seems to be, like I said earlier, an indication, at least on the federal government's part, to to support people, self-employed individuals and people like massage therapists. So I feel that's that's encouraging. Um, yeah, it is a unprecedented time for everybody. And 
it sounds like you guys in the thick of it in terms of advocating are doing the best the best you can from the positions that you hold and and I have many friends in the RMT business and I've been thinking about them a lot and how we can support each other from the perspective of of the various positions that relate to the work the manual therapy type work how do we as RMTs support each other how do the associations support us and how do the RMTs support the associations how do the colleges support the massage therapists and vice versa all of these various players and it sounds like most are coming together in a way that's really positive so I'm what's the right word thrilled is not the right word but I I feel proud about how people are coming together in these various ways to really combat this this the variety of things that are showing up where we we are challenged from a health perspective at this point as humans but also mentally it's very varied kind of state of affairs for all of us where there's fear there's loneliness there's sadness there's lots of grief out there and having worked in the field as a massage therapist those are things that have come up over over time so in some ways we're well situated to deal with some of these feelings we've fielded them a lot from other people and i'm sure now many of us are feeling them ourselves and so it's nice to hear the support from varied yeah from our various ways of supporting one another so michael giving or representing the rmtao it sounds like you guys are doing as much as possible to support and that that feels heartening to me and i'm i'm really happy to have made the connection with you and and been able to speak to some of these big things and some of these other things that are still in play it's not like we will forever be shut down and shut in so it's the the wheels in the background keep turning and turning and it sounds like you're well equipped in terms of enthusiasm and brains to <laughs> to deal with what's going to show up and and we'll keep talking i'm sure we'll we'll see what shows up in the next bunch of months and and uh one of the things i want to do as a person who has a podcast that some people are listening to is to keep people informed about the various interests that are are still there in turn and and massage therapists have specific niche interests but uh, i will try to keep people informed in those areas by talking to individuals like yourself and and the various players out there is there anything you'd like to to say before we end michael okay um well well thank you damien for inviting me mm-hmm. on i mean one of the things that may be a positive outcome of this covid virus is that it may force us to recognize what i think is maybe maybe a, the new normal of how we have to take more precautions about spreading communicable diseases or flus and things like that. And, uh, you know, if we uh, recognize the potential risks, I mean, we may create a much healthier environment for us all. Mm-hmm. And the lessons learned in a, in a terrible crisis like this may, may sort of reinforce those, the needs that we might otherwise never have uh, wanted to recognize or just felt this is like too much trouble to do mm-hmm. all this stuff. But, uh, 
you know, like hand-washing dispensers in, in every public building uh, 10 years ago, you didn't see that. Yes. And now you see it everywhere. Yeah. So anyway, so I think, you know, who knows when maybe we, we, hopefully we can learn from this and, and it'll help us uh, move forward in a, in a better, to a better future. That's the hope. So stay well and enjoy your time. Maybe we can all learn to meditate better. (laughs) And uh, yeah, Michael, thank you for showing up on the show. I will talk to you again soon and for everybody listening out there stay well take care of you and yours and stay mentally well as as well 